You're listening to Season 3, Episode 2 of Vixen, a Black Beauty and Pop Culture Podcast. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is on Black Star Trek actress, Nichelle Nichols. Now, let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Vixen. I wanted to say thank you to everyone who joined me last week for the Vixen Book Club discussion on Instagram Live. I had a good time. I can't wait to do it again. If you have a book club, make sure you go to thevixenmemoirs.com and sign up so you can read our March book with us, which is Fly Girl by Omar Tyree, a throwback. I feel like a lot of people have read that book. I can't even count how many times I've read it, but every time I read it, I enjoy it more. So go ahead and um, join us and read the book with us. Every book that we read, you receive a free PDF of the book. So joining the club is completely 100% free. So go ahead and join the club and then we can meet up next month and talk about Fly Girl. So anyway, thank you guys again and let's start the show. Grace Dell Nichols was born on December 28th, 1932 in Robbins, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago, to Samuel Earl Nichols and Leisha May Nichols. Her father was a factory worker, but he actually served as the mayor of Robbins at some point, and her mother, Leisha, was a stay-at-home mom. Around 1940, the family moved to Chicago. So Nichelle immediately started to study dance at the Chicago Ballet and decided to dedicate her life to acting and singing. Um, Her main focus was to get on Broadway. So that was her thing. Broadway was the goal. In 1947, when she was 15, Nichelle actually joined Duke Ellington and his band as a singer and started to tour the country with them. Um, She later joined the Lionel Hampton band on tour. And then when that tour was over, she decided to move to L.A. and work on an acting career while still singing on the side. Um, It was kind of hard for her to get gigs, though. So she did modeling work to hold her over between booking. In 1951, Nichelle married fellow dancer Foster Johnson. They ended up getting divorced that very same year, but before they split, they had one son named Kyle, who was born on August 14th of 1951. So I couldn't find much about this marriage. I couldn't find a lot of information on it, but it is giving me shotgun wedding because Um, they ended up getting married and having a baby the same year and getting divorced. So I'm thinking she might've been pregnant. Um, and then they just decided to get married, but I can't confirm that. So Nichelle actually performed in a Duke Ellington show while she was two months pregnant with Kyle. So that's why I kind of think she might've been pregnant. But anyway, um, after her son's birth, Nichelle continued to work in clubs and she avoided establishments that were in bed with the mob. And this was 1950 Chicago, y'all. So y'all can imagine like pretty much everywhere she went probably was in bed with the mob. But, you know, she ended up finding some spots that weren't. Uh, She actually did end up working at one club that was run by um, my boss, Frankie Balistiri. I feel like I'm pronouncing that wrong. Bali series. So I love mob stuff. So I looked him up because I've never heard of this particular mobster before, but I found out that he was called the mad bomber because he often used improvised explosive devices, which are known as IEDs attached to cars as weapons in order to murder his op. So allegedly, allegedly, y'all, I'm not trying to get murked by the mob or anything like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yes, they used to call him the Mad Bomber. Nichelle's first real gig came when she appeared in the 1959 film Porgy and Bess as a dancer. Throughout this time, Nichelle did a couple productions of the plays Carmen Jones, For My People, and The Roar of the Grease Paint. Nichelle says her parents were very supportive around this time and they helped her with raising her son while she worked. And this was a really, really big deal, I can imagine. I mean, she was young, she was divorced, and she was a black single mom. So yeah, I can only imagine. One play in particular, based in Chicago called Kicks and Co., finally got Nichelle noticed by the masses. So this play was based on the campus of a presumed HBCU during the early days of desegregation. So in the play, there's a character named Mr. Kicks who's basically based on Satan. And I think he's called Mr. Kicks because it's like, you know, come get your kicks. But anyway, um, he attempts to throw people off of their game, essentially. So like if you're working hard on something, he comes and tries to like destroy you you know so I haven't seen it but I'm guessing Mr. Kicks has women surrounding him um that are based off of the Playboy bunnies from the Playboy Club so it's supposed to be satire anyway Nichelle plays Hazel Sharp who is a student at the campus and she's being influenced by Mr. Kicks to be and I quote Orgy Maiden of the Month for Orgy Magazine. So Orgy Magazine is like the Playboy magazine in this play. So the play had mixed reviews and production shut down after a very short run. But Hugh Hefner saw it and he thought it was hilarious even though it was making fun of his brand. Um, but he was really, really impressed with Nichelle. So he hired her to perform at the Chicago Playboy Club around 1961. And we already know all the baddies worked at the Chicago Playboy Club. Um, and if you want a more detailed history of the club, go back to the very, very first episode of the podcast, season one, episode one, the Jennifer Jackson episode. It goes way in depth about the Chicago Playboy Club. After this, Nichelle continued to book small roles. Nothing too special, but it did get her some famous friends. Um, through these gigs, she became friends with Sidney Poitier, um, Maya Angelou, Frank Sinatra, and guess who? I'm going to give y'all a moment. Sammy Davis Jr. If you're new here, you should know that we are keeping count of how many times Sammy Davis Jr. is mentioned on this podcast. So if you were a hot black girl from like the 1960s to about the 1980s, you dated Sammy Davis Jr. Like I just, all research leads to every attractive black woman dated Sammy Davis Jr. around that time. Like it's science. I don't know how he does it, but it's science. So in her book, Nichelle talks about dating him um, and then dumping him for Frank Sinatra. And she says that he asked her to marry him and she refused. So they ended up growing apart. So as you can see, it kind of took a while for Nichelle to get that big break. Um, but her patience definitely paid off because in 1966, she landed her most noteworthy role yet. And that was playing Lieutenant Uhura in the new Star Trek series, thanks to Gene Roddenberry. And this was a huge deal because this was one of the very first non-servant roles that went to a black woman at this time. Um, but it was not easy for her to get this role, though, because Jean had to advocate really, really hard for NBC um, to keep her on because they didn't want to hire her as a regular cast member. By the way, Jean is the creator of Star Trek. So Jean didn't tell Nichelle about how hard of a time NBC was giving him. But he did work out a deal with them where um, she was paid a day rate instead of the contract rate that regular cast members got. And this was a good move because it actually got her more than what she would have made under contract. So she was paid by the day where everyone else just got like, I'm a 
assuming a lump salary or a lump sum. Um, so she ended up actually getting paid a lot more than some of her peers because of that. I'm not really sure how this was a secret to Nichelle for so long, but it does make sense because when you think about it, like even today, I think we're just starting to get comfortable with talking about like pay gaps and wage gaps and things like that. But I can only imagine in the 60s, nobody probably talked about the money they got paid. So I guess that's how it got past her. There were a lot of other little racial microaggressions happening on set. It wasn't just the pay thing. Um, sometimes the guards wouldn't let her into the studio. Uh, there was a racist mailman that withheld her letters from fans. And that's not even the worst one, guys. The crew members often joked about how Nichelle should have been the one to leave the show instead of Grace Lee Whitney. So Grace Lee Whitney was a former castmate of Nichelle's who left the show very abruptly. And it was allegedly because she was assaulted by a superior who she referred to as the executive. Now, I don't think Grace ever confirmed who this person was, but the executive is suspected to be Gene Roddenberry himself. So after the first season of the show ended in 1967, Nichelle was toying around with the idea of leaving the show to pursue uh, her Broadway dream even further. So she made her decision and decided to leave and she let Gene know uh, that she was going to go. She changed her mind, though, after a conversation with guess who? Not Sammy Davis Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So the day after Nichelle basically put in her two weeks, um, she attended a fundraiser for the NAACP. And staff told her that there was a fan there that wanted to meet her. So she said of the incident, I thought it was a Trekkie. That's people who are big fans of Star Trek, I assume. So I said, sure. I looked across the room and there was Dr. Martin Luther King walking towards me with a big grin on his face. He reached out to me and said, yes, Miss Nichols, I am your greatest fan. He said that Star Trek was the only show that he and his wife Coretta would allow their three little children to stay up and watch. I never got to tell him why, because he said, you can't, you're part of history. And so she stayed on the show. Michelle went back to her singing roots in 1967 when she released an album called Down to Earth and she got to sing in two episodes of Star Trek. In the third season of the show, Uhura, who is Nichelle's character, kissed William Shatner's character, Captain James T. Kirk, due to alien telekinesis. So this was one of the very first, it wasn't the exact first, but it was one of the first interracial kisses depicted on American television. Network executives got very, very nervous after filming the scene once because they were unsure about how the backlash would be and how they would handle it. So they did decide to cut the scene and had the actors reshoot the scene without the kiss. But Nichelle actually said that her and William Shatner made mistakes in all of the retakes so that the executives would be forced to show the original take, which had the kiss. And that strategy ended up working because they ended up airing it. In Nichelle's memoir, it's called Beyond You Her, Star Trek and Other Memories, y'all, by the way. Sorry, I don't think I said it yet. That was actually my main source for this episode. Um, in that book, Nichelle talks about a fan letter from a white Southerner that the cast got about the kiss. Here's what she says the letter said. I am totally opposed to the mixing of the races. However, anytime a red-blooded American boy like Captain Kirk gets a beautiful dame in his arms that looks like Uhura, he ain't gonna fight it. So unfortunately, the experiences that Nichelle had on set continued to get worse after season one. Um, 
I feel like she mainly didn't like the direction the show was going on. That's what I get from her book. Um, and that she had less screen time. And then the storylines that she did have were like very silly and just not really showing her acting chops. So after season one wrap, she is still very unhappy, even like after the kissing scene and all of that. So also... Gene, who Nichelle was super close to, has started to get sick and he stepped away from like the day-to-day operations of Star Trek. So he was barely on set and she was not feeling Lee Cronin, who ended up replacing Gene on set. And she said that working with William Shatner was getting harder and harder. Apparently, nearly everyone on the show at this time had a problem with William Shatner. I've read a couple stories about him. Um, They said he was very rude. He had a crazy ego and he caused a lot of problems on set. Um, And then in addition to that, Nichelle became frustrated over the cut lines, the lack of scenes, Um, just everything just started to go downhill in season three. So in 1968, while that season was filming, Nichelle married upcoming musician Duke Mondi. Um, They divorced just four years later in 1972. Um, That following year and after she got married in 1969, uh, Star Trek, the original series was canceled, but Nichelle got to play Uhura again for an episode in Star Trek, the animated series. She then reprised her role six times in various Star Trek films. I would list them, but I got confused and the names are too long. Sorry. <laughs> but the last one she appeared in was Star Trek, the undiscovered country in 1991. And then also that year, she released a second album called out of this world, which was based on Star Trek and the exploration of space. After the show was canceled, Nichelle started volunteering at NASA on behalf of her nonprofit, Women in Motion, for an initiative they were working on, which was getting um, recruiting women and minorities. So the program was a success. Uh, Nichelle helped recruit Dr. Sally Ride, who was the first American female astronaut, Colonel Guion Bluford, the first African-American astronaut, Charles Bolden, the former NASA administrator, Lori Garver, who um, was the former deputy administrator, and many, many more. So definitely a huge success. Following um, the success of the program, Nichelle continued to serve on various NASA boards and attended special uh, space-related events. In late 2015, she flew aboard NASA's Stratospheric Observatory for Infrared Astronomy aka Sophia. (laughs) And um, that basically analyzed the atmospheres of Mars and Saturn. So she got to fly with them. Um, In between Star Trek gigs, Nichelle continued to take small roles like the 1967 film Doctor You've Gotta Be Kidding, um, the 1974 film uh, Truck Turner. That was a black exploitation film that had Isaac Hayes in it. It's really good. 1991 tragedy struck when Gene Roddenberry passed away from health complications and Nichelle actually performed at his funeral a song called Gene that she had written herself. So a few years after that Nichelle's memoir uh, was released in 1994. In it she revealed that she and Gene had an affair that went on for a few years before Star Trek the original series came out. She also said that he refused to release her from her contract when she was offered other roles. So I'm assuming that is why she appeared in so many small roles post Star Trek. It kind of was like she never was in anything that was as big as Star Trek again. Um, And I'm guessing that's why if he wouldn't let her out of the contract. She said Gene dated both her and Majel Hudek, who he eventually married. And Majel played, I feel like I'm not pronouncing her name right, but she played Christine Chapel on Star Trek at the same time that Nichelle was on the show. So 
Yeah, a little bit of it. I mean, they were done by the time the show came on, but that had to be awkward. Um, Nichelle also kind of implies that Jean wanted the three of them to be in like a three-way relationship as men, you know, as men do, they always try, but (laughs) Nichelle declined that and she stumped him because of her budding friendship with Michelle. She said, you know, she was starting to become cool with her and she already didn't want to get married again. Um, she says there was no hard feelings and their relationship on set was strictly business and neither one of them ever told any cast or crew members about it. Nichelle experiences another tragedy um, and I want to put a trigger warning here just in case um, you know people may not want to hear this part. It is about suicide so please skip about 30 seconds forward if that triggers you. So trigger warning. Um, so Nichelle experiences another tragedy when her younger brother, Thomas Nichols dies of suicide on March 26, 1997. Now this situation was insane. So Thomas was a member of the Heaven's Gate cult, which famously staged a mass suicide that year. Um, and that is what he passed in. Thomas had been a member of the cult for 20 years by 1997, and he often shouted his sister out in the cult's promotional materials, probably because of the whole Star Trek affiliation, but I'll explain that. So I tried to do a little research on them, but I had to stop because like it was freaking me out a little bit. No disrespect to the dead, but anyway, basically... The Heaven's Gate cult believed that evil space aliens, who they called Luciferians, disguised themselves to humans as God um, to keep humans from developing. So they basically believed that like people who believe in God, Christian, um, Christianity, Christians, whatever, whatever you are, if you believe in God, they think like that that was created to keep us from developing into like our true selves, which I guess would be like extraterrestrial characters. I don't know y'all. Um, but the call purposely coincided their mass suicide with the passing of the Hale Bop comet. So they were very, very into space. Um, fun fact, they only wore Nikes. They only wore Nikes. The people in the cult only wore Nikes. I wanted to see if there was like some kind of cool meaning behind it. But no, I think those were just the only shoes they could all buy in bulk for all of the members. After this tragedy, Nichelle continued to focus on her work. Throughout the early 2000s, she continued to take small roles in shows and films like Futurama, Batman, Gargoyles, The Simpsons, um, Snow Dog. All of her roles were very small after Star Trek, but she had a very steady career. She definitely did. Um, She actually got a Daytime Emmy nomination for her role in The Young and the Restless in 2017. So here is where things kind of take a turn. In 2015, Nichelle had suffered a mild stroke and she had started therapy, um, but she had been diagnosed with dementia in 2013. But it seemed to be quite manageable. Did get worse in about 2018. She she stopped appearing at Star Trek conventions around this time. She was a staple at them. But around 2018, people stopped seeing her. In 2019, Nichelle's manager, Gilbert Bell, filed a lawsuit against her son, Kyle Johnson, accusing him of elder abuse. So Gilbert um, had lived with Nichelle since 2012, and he said that her son had been trying to place Nichelle in an um, assisted care facility against her will. And he was trying to kick the both of them out so that he could sell the home. He also said that Kyle had fired key staff members that Nichelle needs and 
hadn't replaced them, like her physical therapist, caregiver, and personal assistant. So all very, very important um, to a woman who, you know, is diagnosed with dementia. These are very, very heavy allegations, right? Next year, Kyle and the rest of the family sued Gilbert, saying that he had been taking advantage of Nichelle for the last decade, and they turned to GoFundMe to raise money for the case. So they said that Gilbert, and this is a quote, exerted his undue influence and took control over Miss Nichols' assets and personal affairs starting in 2010, which is allegedly when Nichelle started to show signs of dementia. So after her stroke in 2015, Nichelle did need uh, 24-7 care. Gilbert was given the responsibility of managing Nichelle's affairs and was granted power of attorney over her son. And in the son and the rest of the family's lawsuit, they said that he forced her um, to make him, to give him power of attorney. So Kyle is saying that Gilbert committed financial elder abuse, uh, breached his uh, duty to Nichelle, committed fraud, unjustly enriched himself, and then a whole bunch of other charges. They also say that Gilbert scammed Nichelle into renting her guest house for just 300 a month and that she could get up to... 3500 for it realistically and um i don't know exactly where she lives but i know that nichelle lives in in california somewhere near la so and i know la is hella expensive so i can only imagine she definitely could get 3500 at least for a whole guest house but anyway they also allege that um Gilbert discharged Nichelle from a facility against medical advice from her doctors and against the wishes of the family. And then they also say that he had isolated her from her loved ones as well. And lastly, Kyle says that Gilbert, here's another quote, intentionally misappropriated income earned by Nichelle, um, that he took cash from her appearances at conventions, and that he inappropriately dispersed the money that she earned and misappropriated funds from her financial accounts and her bank accounts and things like that. So Gilbert has defended himself by saying Nichelle never, ever wanted her son to be responsible for her affairs because he's used her credit cards before and forced her into getting a reverse mortgage. He also says that Kyle has allowed the property to fall into disrepair in an attempt to force him and Nichelle out. Um, he has allegedly stopped paying for utilities at the home and refuses to fix uh, the backed up sewer that they're experiencing. Um, and he also alleges that Kyle has threatened to kill him while holding Nichelle's cane. So overall, this is just a super, super sad, messy situation. And I really hate that Nichelle is spending her late 80s like this. Like, this is ridiculous. The court did decide to appoint a group of third-party temporary conservators for uh, Nichelle's affairs, and they suspended Gilbert as her power of attorney, and then Kyle went ahead and fixed the problems at her home. So that is the latest update, y'all. The case is still ongoing. Um, but I, it, to me, it doesn't really sound like this Gilbert dude has her best interests at heart. I want to say her son does, but you never know. But this Gilbert guy definitely sounds sketchy to me. What do you guys think? Because I, I don't know. Something is just not right there. I think where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, but yeah, I know like, especially with, you know, Free Britney and, you know, the documentary that came out about Britney Spears, conservators are not you know, they're very scary to me. That kind of like control over someone's life is terrifying. But this kind of sounds like a situation and let me know what you guys think. This kind of sounds like a situation where they might be a little bit needed. Luckily, it's temporary so they can get her out of this um, if it ends up going bad, which I, you know, definitely pray it doesn't. But it just seems like, you know, 
we got to get this woman some peace. You know, she's in her late 80s. Like, she needs some peace, you know, in her last few years on this planet. Like, this is just way too much drama. Um, I absolutely hate elder abuse. Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. And I feel like this happens to older black women a lot. I don't want to say, I'm not saying it doesn't happen to other older women, but just like everything that we hear, um, that we've heard recently about like B Smith and her crazy old husband and what he was doing. Like, it's just, I just feel like a lot of older black women just don't get to have, you know, enjoy their later years for various reasons. And it's just not fair at all. But yeah, so that is pretty much the Nichelle Nichols story. What did you guys think of the episode? Um, she was a very interesting woman. Like, I wish I could have included more from her memoir, but it was, I felt like it was getting a little too long. I think y'all should read it. It was really, really good. I, um, was, have never been a fan of like Star Trek or Star Wars. I've seen it, but you know, never really been a big fan of it. So I had never heard of her. Um, but she was a super, super interesting lady. Very interesting. I definitely want to recommend her memoir. Y'all should read that. But um, thank you guys for listening to another episode and I will see y'all next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Vixen. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to leave a review. If you have a submission, feel free to email vixenpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with an all new episode.